the Larryman. Starring Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves Father's Day. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And I'm just still grinning because that was Colonel Jeff's take. We've talked, he and I have talked, I love The Rifleman. I love The Rifleman. That's the uh, Western... A half-hour show from the 50s and uh, early 60s, too, I think. And uh, probably on five, seven years, something like that, with starring Chuck Connors and a bunch of folks you know from everything, from westerns and, oh, dramas and law shows. and uh, But boy, oh, boy, that beginning of that show, that's the real rifle shot. He has that big rifle, and he's a big man. He was a professional baseball player, too, and... Uh, Boy, he looks right at you. I mean, at you. He he pumps that gun. It has that big circular hand holder there. And put pow, 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 pow. I mean, and it's straight. You can see this guy's a good shot. And then he's looking right at you. He doesn't look away. He looks right at that camera. And then he takes another bullet out of his pocket because he's going to reload now. And... uh I'm not making fun of this. I love that show. I think it's terrific. I think that it's great 50s and 60s American Western. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you also that um, the plots were good. They, the, the way it was written. I mean, they it's a half-hour show, so they didn't have to resolve just about everything. You didn't have to see the bad guy go to trial. You knew they were going to hang him. Hey, maybe... They- they hanged him on the way back to town. But, I mean, the, it's it's just a terrific show. And the way he's a father, the way he teaches his his son Mark all the good lessons of life, the way the sheriff is a friend. Micah, that was the sheriff's name. I just love the show. But anyway, Jeff, Colonel Jeff put it. Of course, the idea was to have me saying, you know, it's the Larry Miller show. Well, it's not maybe not that goofy. But... Uh, Anyway, that was this, this, what you just heard was the first time we're playing it, and uh, I hope you like it, and if you do, you'll be hearing it a lot. Uh, that's the main thing, but uh, in any case, welcome back to the show, and the music, that music always makes me smile anyway. Of course, that's the Frank Rolls Orchestra. And the Penny Clark Dancers, featuring boy tenor Everett Probeck, asking the musical question, If a seagull flies over the sea, does a bagel fly over the bay? Well, pretty good question, Everett. If a seagull flies over the sea, does a bagel fly over the bay? Number one, no. No, it, it it doesn't fly over the bay, but it's a terrific question. It's a fun question. But there's no time 
when a big well look if if you're on a boat with old friends from school and you're out on the bay and you've all had a big belly full of liquor telling old stories and then well an hour goes by and people start getting annoyed with each other you know just like in school and and a fist fight breaks out and one of your drunken friends reaches over to the food table grabs a bagel flings it at another guy's face, misses, and the bagel spins and sails out over the water, then, yes, a bagel flies over the bay. Other than that, no. And by the way, why waste a good bagel? What are you going to do with the locks? But that's just a, that's just a classic traditional question. Good for you, Everett. Everett Probeck asking, if a seagull flies over the sea, does a bagel fly over the bay? No, but maybe every so often. And uh, <laughs> and by Amazon and PayPal, still my favorite companies. Amazon, what a terrific company, because they have three things they do that no one else does. One, anything you can think of, you can get. Two, anything you order, they have and will send you. And three, whatever you do order, we here get a piece of it. That's right. We on the show, Colonel Jeff and I, get a percentage from Amazon of whatever you order. Those are three pretty good things. So go to Amazon anytime you want, right? No, 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 you don't go. Anytime. It doesn't matter when you want to. You don't go. You don't go to Amazon on your laptop or anything else. What you do is you go to our website. Whew. They almost went there on their own. You go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? <laughs> oh, those tickle me. I don't know why, but they do. And uh, in any case, you go there. What you do is we will send you there. We will take you to Amazon. We have a banner that says Amazon on it. You click our banner. And then you go take a nice, well-earned nap on your big, lazy boy chair. And you can put a magazine over your face if you want. Or just sit in a dark part of the den and snooze. And we will get you to Amazon. And uh, remember, Amazon, as I'm fond of saying, is a place where you can get anything in the world except, of course, an actual Amazon. If you can do that, if you can figure out a way to do that, to, uh, to get a really tall, muscular, gorgeous, sexy, shall I stop there, woman, and if she's tough, as tough as nails, but really thinks you're cute... And if you can do any of that and she comes to your house, boom, boom, and rings on the bell there, and you say, how do you like that? It's an actual Amazon. You've done pretty well. What you do then is call us here. Go to LarryMillerPodcast.com and let us know that you have actually gotten an Amazon and we'll be there not to check you out, not to make sure you're not lying. Well, maybe to check you out, but to check her out and then we'll... We'll also let the Amazon people know because they must get people calling them all the time and saying, hey, I found a real Amazon, 
but they know it's not true. But if we tell them, they'll know it is true. So thanks, Amazon. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal. Still the most fun name for me to say. PayPal. And they make you feel great, folks. You feel like you've changed the world and you've helped the world when you work with PayPal. And what you can do is, by the way, you know, if you enjoy the show here and would like to send us a few bucks to help out, you can do it. <laughs> wow, that was the uh, hi. That was the Queen of Milleronia coming by here, and she just picked up the Prince of Milleronia. And because uh, remember, we always record here on Milleronia, and they've gone along with that just fine. By the way, they they they've never once said, "Hey, Dad, what are you out of your mind by making us go to Milleronia with you?" Well, they may say that, but not to my face. And uh, anyway, that was them coming home here on Milleronia, on our home on Milleronia. And what you do, though, is if you if you like the show and you want to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. And instead of, you know, never mind these words that people use like donate or pay what you like, I always say buy us some drinks. That's right. There are different levels, level one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! <laughs> I've got to do that bit, the five levels of drinking here on Milleronia. I've got to do that. And I think all the people here we have on Milleronia, all our employees, all the citizens of Milleronia would actually love to hear it. They'd love to hear me perform the five levels of drinking. Now, it's possible there's one who doesn't want to hear it, but he will get a very quick walk to a volcano. And then... Can you hear that, by the way? That's pretty good, isn't it? That's Colonel Jeff found that. That's a real volcano. As it runs over your head. And uh, so in any case, work with PayPal and uh, sure, send us a level one through five. What you do is my easy puzzle for you is go to your favorite bar and go there at two or three in the afternoon when no one's there. No one's having lunch. No one's having a drink. There's, it's empty. Just the bartender with his leg up on the speed rack doing a crossword puzzle. And what you do is you smile at him, he smiles at you, and you say, how much do you charge for a drink? And he'll tell you. And as long as you're there, by the way, order one. But once you know what they charge for a drink, you send us here on the show to me and Colonel Jeff. You send us two prices of that drink. So you multiply it by two. And, uh, and that's how we participate through PayPal. And by the way, if we still had... Well, if Dr. Chris was still with us, then uh, we would. I would say to you, well, you know what, make it three. Make it three drinks, three prices of the drink. But, of course, Dr. Chris is, uh, well, he's still at school himself. He's studying, as you know, he's studying clog dancing at the University of Solvang. And so we, w we wish him well. 
And one of these days, he might just come on the show here and tell you what it's like to be a world-class clog dancer. I'm sure it's better than just trying to say that. So, in any case, thank you, Amazon. Thank you, PayPal. And, by the way, and this is important and fun for me, signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, are now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. And uh, please do buy a book from them, from me. And boy, oh boy, will that make me happy. Make you happy too. It's a funny book. In any case, that brings us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. (laughs) So here's the joke of the week. And... uh, Colonel Jeff and I both like this one very much. Uh, Fella goes with his wife. They make a a really nice trip up to Alaska. The two of them, they go diving into one of the, well, freezing but gorgeous Alaska waters there. And sure enough, on the first day they go, what do you know? He comes up for air there to get back on the boat, his wife doesn't come up for he, he can't find her. He he can't find his wife. She's still down there somewhere. And he, and, he, and he looks, he goes back down, and he looks at my wife, who's my wife? And he gets back into the boat now, and he, he's a little panicking. He rows back to the land and and uh, and ties the boat up and runs back to their hotel room. And, he, and he's sitting there thinking, well, she's got to call me. I mean, she's got to... When 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 she gets out, no matter where she is, I maybe I should, you know, check in the in the, in the hospitals. And then suddenly there's a knock on the door, and it's a no kidding around knock. It's a knock when you hear it, you know you better answer it. And he and he opens the door. He's a little, his hand is shaking a bit, and there are two Alaska State Troopers there, and they look grim. And uh, he says, "Oh, is something wrong? Is, is something wrong?" I'm, I'm, Waiting, my my wife didn't come back from the... And then they said, uh, Sir, this is about your wife. And the truth is, there's bad news, good news, and great news. Which would you like first? And he's his head is spinning. He doesn't even know, know what to say. He says, "My, Well, give me, give me the, the bad news first, please. And they say, We found your wife at the bottom of the ocean. And that's it. She is dead. And the guy starts to weave. He's so upset. He says, oh, my God, what is she? Well, what could the good news be? For goodness sake, what is, give me the good news. And, and uh, the trooper says, the good news is it turns out on her body there were 12 25-pound king crabs and... Twelve Dungeness crabs. These are so rare. And they said, the good news is, we thought that even though your wife is dead, you should have the crabs. And he hands them, he hands the man in the hotel room a big, big net bag filled with them. That's those are big, twenty-five pound crabs. And the man doesn't know what to say. He says, I just, but what? Oh, good lord! Oh, oh okay. Well, what? What then is the great news? If this is the good news, what is the great news? And the trooper says to him, well, the great news is we're going to see what she caught tomorrow. 
And that, that is our joke of the week. We thought that was cute. Horrible, but cute. And uh, I can't even imagine. Colonel Jeff said, what, what would a 25-pound king crab even look like? And I said, well, I don't know what he, he would look like, but I'm guessing he wouldn't like jokes about him. I wouldn't, I'm guessing he wouldn't like, oh, what a big crab jokes. And uh, in any case, that's our, our joke of the week. And that brings us to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. That's such pretty music for a twenty-five pound crab. In any case, this is a this is a lovely poem, and uh, I, I hope you like it. It's uh, by David Kettler, K E T T L E R. And yes, we just had Father's Day this past weekend, as you know, and it's called "My Dad's Hands." Bedtime came. We were settling down. I was holding one of my lads. As I grasped him so tight, I saw a strange sight. My hands, they looked like my dad's. I remember them well, those old gnarled hooks. There was always a cracked nail or two, and thanks to a hammer that strayed from its mark, his thumb was a beautiful blue. They were rough, I remember, incredibly tough, as strong as a carpenter's vice. But holding a scared little boy at night, they seemed to me awfully nice. The sight of those hands, how impressive it was in the eyes of his little boy. Other dads' hands were cleaner, it seemed, the effects of their office employ. I gave little thought in my formative years of the reason for Dad's raspy mitts, the love in the toil, the dirt and the oil, rusty plumbing that gave those hands fits. Thinking back, misty-eyed, and thinking ahead, when one day my time is done, the torch of love in my own wrinkled hands will pass on to the hands of my son. I don't mind the bruises, the scars here and there, or the hammer that just seemed to slip. I want, most of all, when my son takes my hand, to feel that love lies in the grip. Isn't that nice? Good for you, David Kettler. Thank you for sending us that. Oh, beautiful poem, My Dad's Hands. And you know what? As all good poetry can be, as all great poetry can be, and it's the same with oh, plays and novels and essays and mo movies and everything we do. You know, it doesn't even matter whether my dad or your dad had those cracked nails or had a blue nail from getting hit by a hammer while hitting himself with a hammer. It doesn't really matter. It's real for us today. It sounds real and it is real. 
And you know what? What a nice thought that one day that boy will be an older man and he will be holding his son the same way and maybe his son will think the same things. So, boy, oh boy, like any great poem, I'm glad we picked that one for today. So thank you, David Kettler. It's called My Dad's Hands. Look it up and pass it on to someone you love. And that takes us to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. MMM. Triple M. With the greatest piano note in history to end it. This is a wonderful movie. I love this movie. I must have seen it 30 times myself, and I will always see it again. It's called Captain's Courageous from 1937, directed by Victor Fleming and starring, oh, Lord, what a cast, Lionel Barrymore, Freddie Bartholomew, Spencer Tracy, John Carradine, Mickey Rooney, Melvin Douglas, so many others. It's a great movie, a beautiful movie about, well, a rich, spoiled son who's on a giant ocean liner on his way to England to go to private school there. And, well, one of his pranks goes wrong and he winds up falling off the ship and he's rescued by the great Spencer Tracy playing Manuel, a Portuguese fisherman. And the story is of this young man, Freddie Bartholomew, being brought back to safety to the fishing boat that Spencer Tracy works on. And it's not a big boat. Oh, they have a crew, I guess, of 10 or 15 men. And they go out, and they go out and they fish. And they're out fishing now. And Lionel Barrymore, the captain of the ship, boy, oh boy, Captain Disco. And he doesn't take anything. And they more or less whip him into shape. And he's assigned, he works with Manuel, the Spencer Tracy character. And very shortly, they start becoming good friends and really liking each other and caring about each other. And there is something paternal, yes. There's something father-like to Spencer Tracy. Golly, what an actor. God bless him. And he was a young man himself now. This was 1937. Spencer Tracy had to be, good Lord, he wasn't 37. That was something, he was 25 or something like that. But folks, they get close and closer. And Spencer Tracy is so lovable. You want him as your father figure right there on this boat. And this boy becomes, he learns more and more, and he starts getting accepted by the other sailors. And these are tough men. And these guys aren't kidding around. They don't they don't take any guff from Freddie Bartholomew either. But they accept him more and more. And he's under Spencer Tracy's protection, which is one of the reasons they move that way. And they're on this boat. Remember, well, there are no radios. There are no telephones. There's no way for him to call his dad. His mom has passed on. But there's no way for him to call all these weeks and months when they're out fishing he can't call home he can't he can't let his father played by melvin douglas know he's actually okay and that he was rescued 
Folks, it's a beautiful movie. Please see it sometime. And the magic movie moment for me in it today, and I hope for you as well, is that, well, near the end of the movie, Spencer Tracy gets into an accident. The mast falls. They're racing back to shore. And the mast falls, and it tangles Spencer Tracy up. And we know, that is, the audience knows, because he tells Captain Disco, and he tells one of his mates there, but not Freddie Bartholomew, he tells them he's cut in half. He can't just come back to the ship. His life is over now. And he doesn't want the boy to know what happened to him. And Freddie Bartholomew comes out and he's calling to him, you know, but uh, but Manuel, you uh, come on on. I mean, let them let them tie you up and bring you back on. And Spencer Tracy, the most beautiful scene, he says, "No, no, no, I, no, I can't. It's not for me to go back today." But he said, "You know, uh, you go back yourself and you get this and you do this and you you see your father and and, and folks." It's a beautiful scene, and Freddie Bartholomew is so moved. He's upset, and he's welling up, and he 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 starts to cry. He said, no, Manuel, don't. And the beautiful character of Manuel, played by Spencer Tracy so well, just says to him that he knows that he can't stay tied to the boat like that. He's in the water, and he knows he can't stay because... He's dragging the ship down. He's hurting the ship and all the other sailors. They've got to cut him loose. And by cut him loose, that means the mast is going to take him down, down to the bottom of the ocean. But he knows that's what about what, that's going to happen, and he calls it out to happen. And he says, All right, Disco, go ahead, let's do this, let's do it now. And he smiles again. He smiles again to Freddy, and sure enough, they cut with the axes. They cut those ropes that are still holding the mast to the ship. They cut them, and Manuel swirls to the bottom of the ocean. Well, folks, the movie's not over then. They go back to shore, and it's a beautiful finish of what happens to the characters when they're on shore. Lionel Barrymore, what a cast. Good Lord, they're so good. And they have a service, not only back at the church there, but because this is their community, this fishing community. And they have a memorial service where all those who have gone down to the sea in ships have died. And in this case, Manuel. And the families of those folks who've lost men, remember a lot of ships went out. This is how they made a living. And they were good at it. They brought fish all over America. And folks, then when Freddie Bartholomew gets reunited with his father, who is just thrilled to see him and he wants to be a better father and forget all this money and just hear his stories. Folks, it's a beautiful movie. Go see Captain's Courageous sometimes. Bring it up. Captain's Courageous. See it sometime. If you haven't seen it yet, see it. And if you have and don't quite remember all of it, oh, see it again. It's a beautiful movie. And that's the magic movie moment for me.
when Spencer Tracy says his goodbyes with Freddie Bartholomew. It's, well, it's worth the price right there. So that's the magic movie moment. And, you know, I was looking for something like that for this week because, yeah, it was Father's Day. And what, oh, it brings up every year. What do I want for Father's Day? What about Father's Day? And uh, the truth is, I've talked about this in my act a lot, that, uh, you know, Father's Day could have been any time. It, it could have been in December or March or October. Could have been any time. But they didn't. They put it a couple of weeks after Mother's Day every year. And I don't think we understand that it's always a couple of weeks after Mother's Day to ensure that there's no money left for Father's Day. That's one of the the little things that makes us wince that hangs on top. But folks, everything we want are not the things we want. What's important about Father's Day? I'll tell you what is. First of all, I would have loved if I got a tie this year or, oh, a belt or, oh, some aftershave. I would have loved that because do I need those things? No, I would have loved it because that would have meant my my sons went out and got it for me because it's, those are traditional gifts. And that would have meant something to me to open those up and say, Look at this. It's beautiful. And put the tie right on. And to wear it wherever we went. We went out for lunch that day. To put it on wearing my new tie. And by the way, it would have had some meaning because my son, the Marine, our older boy, drove up from base as a surprise. And that was a pretty great surprise. He drove up on Saturday. My second son was happy. My wife was happy. And it helped that when our son, the Marine, left the next day. Well, I guess I didn't have to notice how empty they were with just me there. Okay, I did notice. But the point is, it's hard being a Marine. And that he drove up just to be, the whole family can be together. And yes, to be with me, that was my Father's Day gift. And I think it may be the best Father's Day gift I've ever gotten. He came up, as I said, on Saturday. This was about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And, well, we could have gone out and had a big fancy dinner together. Or we could have gone out and gotten steaks together or something. But you know what, folks? We were all so tired. My younger son had played baseball that day, and it's been pretty hot around here. And so my wife made something... Well, just terrific, a classic home-cooked meal. Folks, that was the best meal ever, and I mean ever. So here it is Saturday evening, about 6.30 or 7, and our older boy drove up from his marine base, and we get to look at him, and we get to look at our other boy, and we get to look at each other, and we have a terrific meal with the dog there just wagging his tail, waiting to be fed. And I love to feed him. He's just, he's so, he's so lovable. But I'll tell you what, no kidding, the best meal ever. If someone says to me, what's the best meal you ever had? That's it. Just to sit there, chewing, and look around at your family all together. 
It wasn't even Father's Day yet. And my older boy and I, well, first of all, he did something that's, that's perfect because he, he's, uh, well, he's 19 now. And he called a couple of his old friends who were still in the area and they were, they were back home for, for their Father's Day too. And, uh, they all went, oh, it was three or four of them. They went roller skating that night. And he got back a little late around one thirty in the morning. And well, he was pretty tired. Even he knew that whew, he's a Marine and they work pretty hard. And he, he had driven up and he, he needed a good night's sleep. And he did. And see, he and I were going to go golfing the next day to start Father's Day with some golf. Not a big fancy thing. Uh, there's a local course near us, just a mile or so away. It's a par three course. And, well, we love it there. It's not, again, it's not something that was designed by Jack Nicholas. It's something that's just been there a long time. They're all par three holes. And we know the people who work there, and they always have a nice smile. And we were going to go there early because, it's, again, it gets hot and it's Father's Day. We were going to, we were going to go there 8.30 or 9 in the morning. He and I, and we were going to shoot nine holes. That's what it is, a nine-hole course. But the truth is, folks, when I woke up the next day on Father's Day, that Sunday, I woke up first the way I usually do, and my son, the older boy, woke up on his own, oh, about 9.30, I guess it was, and I said to him, good for you, and he came out and he was looking pretty tousled, and he said, yeah, I guess I was feeling pretty tired. And I said, sure, that's the way you should be. And he said, okay, let's go. Uh, we're going golfing, right? And uh, God bless him, that was a sweet thing to say. And I said to him, and I meant it. I said, I'd love to. There's nothing I'd rather do than go golfing with you, but let's just also, wait a minute, sit on the couch for a second here, just stay there and remember, yeah, you're pretty tired. It's Father's Day, and... We were going to go out early-ish, and we could, oh, if we got there about 10, 10.30, then we'd be there a couple hours or so to shoot nine. And uh, I said, remember, it's also nice just to sit here and be together. I said, remember, that's the best Father's Day gift I've ever gotten, is you coming up yesterday as, as a surprise. And he smiled and said, yeah, thanks. And he said, I am pretty tired. And then he looked at me and said, uh, would you mind if I just went back to bed for another hour or so? And I said, oh, good Lord, honey, go to bed. That's the best thing in the world. That's the second best Father's Day gift. And he just did that. He kind of shuffled back into his bedroom and he knows how to close the doors quietly. And he went back to sleep. And that's the other thing I can tell you. Number one. He slept, he was out cold for another three hours. He slept right through till 12.30 or so. And was I upset? Of course not. That's idiotic. It's, I said I was sitting in the living room with the sports section from the paper sitting on my lap and the dog on the floor next to me in the club chair. And I thought, well, let's see. Everyone's relaxing and then everyone's asleep. And my sons and my wife were all just, well, getting a sleep they deserved. And folks, I must tell you, I said to myself then, and I still know it now, that was the best Father's Day gift I've ever gotten. That 
moment. That moment at dinner the night before, looking at everyone and smiling, and that moment the next day with everyone asleep, and me and the dog reading the paper, or not reading it, I just folded it on my lap and sat there, closed my eyes and smiled. And folks, if you can have a better Father's Day than that, I'd like to hear about it, but I, I don't think you can. There are wonderful ways to spend Father's Day. You know, when we all got up and we decided around one thirty, let's go get some lunch slash breakfast, some something. And we did that. And I put on, I showered and shaved and put on some nice khaki pants and a white shirt and a tie and a brand new pair of topsiders. Again, may not sound like much to you, but that's what I wear is topsiders. And I sure did need a new pair. I guess the ones the ones I'd been wearing were about three years old. And I put on a brand new pair and laced them. And uh, I kidded the people at the restaurant. We went to a local deli called Arts Deli around here. And uh, we used to go there so much as a family when the boys were little. And they all knew us and we all knew them. And when the waitress came over and we ordered, I said to the waitress, after we order, would you do me a favor? She said, do you want anything anything else? And I said, uh, would you please ask every other man in here today whether they got the memo? They're not dressed up. They didn't put on a shirt and a tie for Father's Day. And she smiled and she laughed and she said, no, I guess they didn't. I said, they didn't hear. They didn't know. And that's another moment of we had the best lunch there. And this may not sound great, but it was. As it got to be about quarter to three now, three o'clock, and we were done with our meal, and it was later in the day, no one else was coming into arts, and people were leaving, so it was emptying out. And uh, I could see the boys and my wife were saying, okay, let's go, let's go. And I said, wait, let's not go. Let's take five minutes here something we never do, and just sit and just stay. We've paid the check, and we're not putting anyone else out of these tables. No one's waiting on us, and let's just sit. Feels so comfortable in this booth. Let's just sit and chat for another couple of minutes. And we did that, and that again might not sound much, but that chat was pretty great, too. And that, folks, again, when I'm asked, what's the best Father's Day you ever had? That meal, the dinner before, on Saturday, sitting up in the living room club chair with the dog while everyone else was asleep. That was so great. And then sitting at the table at the deli for an extra five minutes. That was pretty terrific. You add all that up, that's a pretty great Father's Day. I hope you, well, I hope you had one too. And, uh, you know, as Colonel Jeff and I were saying before, the fantasticness of the small things in life, well, it's the best part of any day, but especially Father's Day. The fantasticness of small things 
sitting for five minutes at a table and just sitting there and not feeling rushed. Holy mackerel, that was like two weeks on Tahiti. The best part of any day. I did more for my dad on Father's Day. I thought about that too. Wait a minute, what was Father's Day like? I always got him a gift. It was... It, it, it was always Old Spice, but uh, but he loved it. And that's true. I got him Old Spice every year. From the time, I guess, started when I was five or six, I would go get a bottle of Old Spice aftershave for him from the pharmacy we went to. Mr. Brill's Pharmacy. How do you like that? And uh, always got him Old Spice. And then years later, by the way, I would start to, when I was eight or 10 or 11, I would get him the gift boxes of Old Spice, where that, well, you know, they were, well, there were two or three bottles of aftershave and one bottle of shaving talc and, oh, a couple of cakes of shaving soap. It's not that it was fancy stuff, but they put it in the nice cardboard box with the plastic window in the front, and it's drawn so that the Old Spice sailor is skiing down a mountain. Why skiing? Who knows? And he's skiing with Santa Claus down the mountain on the front of the Old Spice box. Why? Again, who knows? Who cares? It looked terrific. Father's Day is in June. Why are they skiing? Who cares? They are. It's wonderful. And I got my dad, God bless him, Old Spice every year. And I have to tell you, it was never. I never got him whiskey or mugs or a gift certificate to a deli or anything like that. It was always Old Spice. And folks, years later, my sister and I discovered something. My mom, God bless her, had already passed away. And a year and a half later or so, my daddy, God bless him, he passed away too. And when he passed on, my sister and I went back to our old house there on Long Island, and we found cabinets full of tuna. That's right, tuna. Cabinets, and I'm telling you, so many cabinets and so many cans of tuna, because if we knew, we smiled, we laughed, because if it was ever on sale, Dad thought it was a good thing to stock up on tuna. Why? Oh, who knows? He, he thought it was, well, good food and good for you. I mean, cabinets full. And, folks, every other cabinet and pantry and chest in the whole house were full of Old Spice. All the gift boxes, all the single ones. It was like it was like we had a pharmacy now, too. It was like we had the Old Spice Warehouse. Boy, oh boy, though. You know what? Those memories make another great Father's Day. Well, sure. You know, I, I might have gotten more from my mom, and I might have gotten more from my dad, and, oh, I might have liked it if the boys had gotten me, as I said, a, a tie or something, but I couldn't change a thing in how great my Father's Day was, or how great my father's Father's Days were. He always had a big smile and a hug for me when I gave him that Old Spice. He never had the he never said, "Hey, Old Spice again? You give it to me every year." He never said anything like that. He would never say anything like that. He he would he was too affectionate for that. He knew that the point was. If you get a gift from your son and it's Old Spice and you give him a big smile and you hug him and you say, 
Thank you. God bless you. I love you. Folks, again, you cannot beat a Father's Day like that. And uh, my dad has had his tough, gritty side, too. I'll just tell you this quickly that he had a... We used to tease him about he never bought a lottery ticket. He didn't like lottery tickets. He didn't like lotteries. He didn't like that states all had lotteries. And one Sunday afternoon when we were in the car... My mom, my dad, my sister, and me, and we were driving into Brooklyn to see my grandparents. We stopped at our favorite local candy store just before crossing the border into Queens. And we stopped to get something. And as we walked in, my sister and I were with him, and we saw at the counter that you could get a lottery ticket. You could buy lottery tickets there. We, we just passed out. We thought it was the greatest thing. And we said to him, Dad, you've never gotten one of these. Get Just get Get one, just get one, and, and just get a lottery ticket. And he finally said, you know what? Okay, you've got a deal. I'll get one here. And he bought a dollar ticket where you, well, you give him a dollar and you get the ticket. And then you use a little nickel in your pocket. You scrape off the little coverings on on uh, the, the holes up front on the front of the ticket. And you know what? He won. He won another dollar. He won a dollar from that ticket. And we were thrilled. We were applauding. And the clerk behind the counter was also, he was so happy, he was applauding. Because he knew my dad never got one. And my dad smiled and said, how do you like that? And he said to the clerk, I'll, I'll take the dollar, please. And the clerk looked at him like he was from Jupiter and said, take the dollar? What do you mean? And my father said, well, I won the dollar. I'll take the dollar. And the clerk said, well, but everyone always just buys another ticket with it. And my father said, look, I didn't want to play this in the first place, okay? I finally did because my kids were pestering me a little, and they were happy. And look at this, I won. They're happy. Let me have my dollar, please. And he became the only guy, if there was a, do if there was a lottery ticket magazine, folks, my dad would be written up with a picture on the cover as the only man in the history of the United States who won a dollar and took the dollar. And I hope your parents were the same. I hope your dad was the same way. In any case, I know the same things you do about fatherhood. And I hope you know the same things I do about fatherhood. As you know, we know the same things. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And so remember, folks, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's the truest thing every day, including Father's Day. Be well and we'll see you here next time. <laughs>